Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. So it's a little unusual. I'm, I'm recording on a Friday. I'm going to upload it today as well. So I'm record. I usually don't record on the same day and upload on the same day, but we're going to do that because uh, I've missed a lot. I've realized I've missed a lot, but I got some things I want to get into and talk about today. Uh, I was on vacation a little bit. I, I enjoyed my vacation and so forth. Um, uh, but I'm I'm ready. I'm back, energized, rejuvenated. You know. So um, I hope I, I hope I haven't missed too much. But we got a couple things, a few things I want to tackle and talk about on today's episode. This should be a really really good one. Um, Let's get into it. I'm 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 excited to get into it. As you always know, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. You guys know how we give it up. Shouts out to everybody that's listening. I greatly appreciate it. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. Shouts out to all the regular listeners. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you all. Thank you all. Wherever you fit in, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you listening. You could have you could have chose any other podcast, but you chose this one. So let's get into it. And how about we even start with uh, there's a, there's so much in uh, in like uh, NCAA football, um, college football, NBA. There's just so 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 much to get into. So and I I want to start with college football because I've been um, I'm I'm gonna give my college football fans something to really really enjoy. Uh, obviously, we're gonna get to Kevin Durant. We're gonna get to Kevin Durant really really soon. But I'm going to give something to my college football fans um, because this is really exciting news. USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. There, I'm going to let that sink in a little bit for, for some people. I know that's weird to hear. But USC and UCLA, they're set to move and play in the Big Ten. Now, we got to really, really, gotta really, really break this thing down because I know a lot of this – a lot of this comes as a surprise to some people, and if you've been if you've been following my podcast, if you've been a listener of my podcast for some time now, I have talked about the regional dominance and the regional issues that college football have, and I it wasn't it, like it's not coincidental that Texas and Oklahoma. They that you know a couple of you know months back they announced that hey we are looking to they're gonna move to the SEC. That was not coincidental, and now we have two more, or we have another two teams in another conference in the Pac-12 saying hey we move to the Big Ten, we move to the Big Ten, and they're both for similar reasons for similar reasons. Now I let me let me start with. California, the state of California, and that's where U.S. obviously USC and UCLA. California is a very Cali is a very very distracted market as it is, economically, socially, um, even in the sports world, it is a very 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 distracted market. And I have often talked. I continue to tell you guys this. I continue to talk about this. I know sometimes it can be a bit like nerdy, but it's it's a business. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these, a lot of these moves. It's a lot of business that comes into play with this, and just think about it. 
I've talked. You guys may think I'm biased, um, but I've talked about the recent dominance of sports in L.A. You obviously have the Lakers who are they are like the heart of Los Angeles. They're like the golden child of Los Angeles. Uh, you have the Dodgers who have been good for a while, um, and they remain to be really. They remain to be really good. Um, obviously you have the Angels, but they're kind of an afterthought, whatever. But uh, but then you got the Clippers who are trying to make strides and who have been making strides over the past few years to be a contender in the Western Conference. Then you look out. In football, you have obviously the Chargers who are young and emerging with a superstar quarterback, and then no other than the LA Rams. The LA Rams have been very, very dominant um, and really good and elite since they have moved to LA. So you look at college football and we look at what's happening now with USC, Lincoln Rally. Um, possibly turning around USC. And I think this year USC is going to be pretty good. As I was saying, Cali is a very, California is a very, very distracted market um, in every sense of, fa- of, the fa- of, of the world. Uh, and you think about it in the sports world. The Pac-12 conference, it's weakening. And it, it was so, and it, when I first heard this news about USC and UCLA, for a couple of minutes, I was very surprised. But then I thought to myself about, obviously, the move that Texas and Oklahoma is making to the SEC. And I and I, and I I thought about the Pac-12. And I should have thought about this when it first came up. I've been for a year on my podcast. By the way, July the 4th marked the three-year anniversary of my podcast. So we're going on three years of me having my own po- of, of of me having my own podcast um in the birth of this podcast but besides the point for years now on this same very podcast I have been talking about the southern dominance in the SC, basically the SEC dominance of college football and I and I and I and I also equated that with like hey you look out west past Texas College football is kind of dead. It like it is. It's kind of dead, and this is why I have been not necessarily rooting, but I have found myself hoping more so, not rooting, but hoping that USC can get their juices back. And with Lincoln Rally, I think this. I think it's imminent that USC will be back in the picture of being a championship contender, not this year, but in the coming years when you, you know, you give Lincoln Rally um, two more, two more, two more recruiting classes or so forth to really get his, to really get his foot in the door and to, you know, so he can recruit his kids in his own backyard. I I think USC is going to be back in that championship picture. But for years on this podcast, I have talked about how out West college football is just, somewhat non-existent and usually when these type of news it is so surprising because usually when these type of news and breaking news like when it's released you there's usually been like ripples of news that's leaked but it wasn't so 
everyone that was involved in this type of decision and in this whole announcement, they kept it very quiet. But you have to tell yourself, if you're looking at the grand scheme of things in the landscape of college football, as I've been talking about, this was bound to happen. Of course this happened. The economics and, and the exposure have been degraded in the Pac-12 drastically. It has gone, like the economics, the money, and the just the exposure and the interest has just, in the last 10 years, in the last 10 to 15 years in the Pac-12, it has gone down tremendously. The Pac-12 in the Matt Liner days, the Reggie, like the Pac-12 was a very, very healthy and profitable conference. It was a healthy, profitable, formidable conference. Like that's what, and it wasn't even the Pac-12 back then, it was the Pac-10. But still, the conference itself was very, the competition was very much healthy and it was a it was a profitable conference now the pac-12 i've talked about it i did i've talked about it on this podcast the pac-12 have become a hashtag <laughs> like have you guys noticed like over the past several years if you're watching a pac-12 game on espn you know what it usually says hashtag pac-12 after dark so it's 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 become like an afterthought and a, a, a hashtag, like, in a, a punchline. And I know some people are not going to like that. Like, I know, I, I know it's a, it's difficult to swallow, but this is what it's become. The Pac-12, have be, the conference itself has become a punchline where, like, ESPN tries to promote it as this punchline or as this hashtag to get more viewership and promotion around it because, quite frankly, nobody's watching the Pac-12. Nobody's watching the Pac-12, and you're looking at the bigger schools and the biggest schools in the Pac-12, and they're like, well, the economic game here just isn't the same. And if we're really going to dive deep into this thing, you look at the SEC and the Big Ten, you look at their media rights deals, it's not even close to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. The SEC or, or, or the, Pac, the Pac-12 – in the in the Big Twelve, you look at the you look at the Big Ten and the SEC. You look at their media rights deals; they're almost their money is almost doubling those conferences. The conference like the the Pac twelve and the Big Twelve, they're doubling, they're doubling those conferences, like abs they're just absolutely doubling doubling those conferences. So a move like this was definitely driven by USC and UCLA, and like you know. UCLA is going for like they like okay you you know USC is going with it so we'll just go with it they're just riding along, but USC this is you you look at this move and you look at this big announcement this is definitely a move that was driven by USC because like hey USC still even though LA is ver is a very distracted market and there is a lot of competition in the sports world I I still feel like. Um, USC has the power and the dominance to still capture the heart of LA. I really do think that because when USC is rolling and when USC is really good, 
I think they come second to the Lakers. If USC is, if we're being honest, in LA, if USC gets back on, if Lincoln Riley can get USC back on track, I think USC still has the power, the um, the and the and the reach and the grab and the interest of LA to 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 get the heart of LA back. I really do. I really do. And out of the out of every team in the Pac-12, USC is the only team that can really say that about their particular area. They're the only team that can say that. You I still feel like USC can be the focal point in their market. No other college, no other Pac-12 team can say that. It, it I know Oregon really good really good program. Washington, a really good program, you know, even you, even UCLA, a really good program, but I still think USC is the only program in the Pac-12 that can confidently say at their best, they can come second to the Lakers in LA. I'm not, I'm not going to put them over the, because when the Lakers are rolling, it's, you know, the Lakers are the heart of LA, but outside of that, when USC is at their best, LA loves, LA loves USC, and I think USC can still be the top two focal points in their market. And no other conference, no other team in the conference can say that. And, and so that's what the move is driven by. There's a lot of the, 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 like the Pac-12 is just losing economic economic gain in finance in financials. And then you look at the exposure. The exposure in the Pac-12 just isn't there. I mean, it's just not there. It, it, like I said, it's be, it's literally a punchline. I'm not even serious. I'm not even playing. I'm not trying to be funny. Like it's literally a punchline. It has become Pac-12 at the dark. And you're thinking of U, uh, USC and Lincoln Rally. I'm sure before Lincoln Rally took the USC job. I'm sure USC informed him that, hey, there's the probability and there's the possibility of expansion in terms of conference, conferences and so forth. I'm sure he was well aware that there was the possibility of something like this happening. I'm sure. I'm sure because this move, this isn't a decision um, or a move that is made, it's not like fly by night. Like, this is something that has been thought about for years now. It's just that now it seems that I think in terms of the coaching position and the coaching and the coach, USC has hit, They've I think they hit gold in Lincoln Rally, and now I think they feel like it's time to make this type of move where we expand and we try to get to another conference because we believe that we'll be back with this coach who is Lincoln Riley. So I'm sure I'm 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 almost positive that Lincoln Riley, before he took the USC job, going into this thing, that he was aware that USC was looking to expand and something like this was very, very imminent and possible. And you think about and think about this. Think about you think about why Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma is becoming decreasingly, it is becoming the recruiting is going down decreasingly in the state of Oklahoma. 
and you look at what's going on with the NIL deals, it's no coincidence. Don't don't like don't think long and wrong about Nick Saban going crazy. Nick Saban is going crazy for a reason because Nick Saban is realizing that with this whole NIL deal and process, a state like Texas and schools like Texas and Texas A&M, they have all you money. It's going to be very, very, very challenging to compete with all you money. So a, a school, a program like, like the Oklahomas, the Alabamas, they're not going to be able to just deprive um, Texas and Texas A&M with the, their guys. They're just not going to be able to – it's not going to be as easy as it once was to take their guys from Texas and Florida. Like, it's not going to be that easy. And I think I think Lincoln Riley is like – I think he's – I think he realized also – he came to the realization how perfect – it has to be at Oklahoma. Like, the recruiting has to be perfect. Like, he realized that he's going to need some wiggle room. And at USC, USC gives him the ability for some wiggle room. There's, and this is and this is so important, too, in terms of recruiting for the future. Think about it. Think about the states. You have California. You have Texas. You have Florida. You think about Miami, Texas, Texas A&M, and USC. Those four schools have the ability to just recruit in their own backyard, open up the back door, and they could possibly any given year, those four schools can possibly any given year can have the they can they have the ability to have the number one recruiting class without leaving their state. It's so funny. A couple weeks ago, I was I was randomly watching the 2005 BCS National Championship game, Vince Young in Texas versus Reggie Bush, Matt Leinard and USC. And as I was watching the game, it was so funny as they are introducing like the uh, you know, the starters for each team. Guess what I saw and guess what I noticed? Texas, damn near all of their, all 22 starters was from the state of Texas. And USC, damn near all 22 of their starters from the state of California. They were from the city of Los Angeles. So that right there shows you that, te- it, it, it proves my point. USC in Texas, include and also you can include Texas A&M, and you can include Miami. They, those four schools have the ability to recruit in their own backyard, not happening to leave the state. They can recruit in their own backyard in any given year. They can finish with a top recruiting class in the country because they're the, the players in that state is just that good. Alabama can't say that. Alabama has to be a national recruiter. Ohio State, they can't say they can't just stay in Ohio. Like they gotta move around. They gotta be a national recruiter. They gotta be a national recruiter. USC, Lincoln Riley. That's what I'm saying. Link, you give Lincoln Riley a year. You give him another year or two where he's able to recruit. He's able to utilize the transfer portal. You give him that. 
Ohio State will be, re- I mean, Ohio State, USC will be ready to compete in the Big Ten or versus anybody, I think, in my opinion. But they're going to move to the Big Ten, and I think they'll be in that illustrious group of elite Big Ten teams on any given year, which is Ohio State, you know, Penn State, Michigan, so forth. Um, And I'm going to actually, I'm going to look ahead and I, I'm going to rank the tiers of the Big Ten schools Um, it, when, you know, looking at USC and UCLA joining. But you got to think about it. USC, all Lincoln Rally has to do is recruit in his own backyard. And he has the ability, USC, and those three other schools that I've mentioned, they have the ability to finish at the top of the recruiting class because they're, they'll be able to put so much talent together in their own backyard. And like I said, not even Oklahoma can't say that. Ohio State, they have to be a national recruiter. Alabama has, like, that's that's rare. Maybe LSU can do the same thing, maybe. But those four schools that I named definitely can finish with the top, with the number one recruiting class just by staying in their own backyard. Literally. Literally. Texas A&M, just, I think they finished number one in, 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 in this year's recruiting class. If I'm not mistaken, I think Texas and them finished number one. I think you're going to see more of that with the whole NIL deals coming into play. Texas having all your money, Florida, and then you look at USC. I'm telling you, college football is going to look really interesting. It's going to look different, but it's going to look really interesting. And I think it's going to look different for the better. Um, Like I said, I feel bad. There's a part of me that that, that do feel bad for programs like Oregon. Washington, Utah, because those are pretty good programs, but they have, it's like the the Pac-12, they're at a disadvantage. Their schools are at a big disadvantage, a disadvantage that not many other schools and different conferences have to deal with. And that is they have to compete with pro teams. Like you look at the, you look at the cities, um, look at San Francisco, um, look at the state of Colorado, you look at uh, obviously LA. You look at Arizona. You look at Washington. Those places have pro teams, so the interest is hard to draw the interest when there's literally a pro game or pro football team that plays in the same state. Hell, sometimes even in the same stadium the following day after the college games. And they're actually like pros. It's very hard to draw interest. So, like I said, a part of me does feel bad for like the Oregon's and the Washington and 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 you know um and uh, Utah, like really good programs, but they they're in the Pac-12. They don't get the same exposure as a Big Ten team like Ohio State or Michigan. Or even the SEC, like a like a Alabama or a Texas A&M or Georgia, they're just not getting the same exposure, and it kind of shows because I think there's been two Pac-12 teams in the college football playoff. I think there's been two, 
Oregon once, Washington once. And Washington got boat raced in the game that they played in. And then Oregon lost to Ohio State in the national championship game. But other than that, it's either been Ohio State or Michigan, the Big Ten. And then it's been mostly like Southern schools. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, I mean, Oklahoma, you know, it's been it's been that group. Two years, two years of the college football playoff. You have two, you had two Pac-12 teams make it and one of them got boat raced and the other one just got physically bruised and battered around versus Ohio State, a really good Ohio, a really good Ohio State team, I might add. So that's just that. Um. And, and you, this could open the door. You know, a lot of people, are, you know, have discussed like, hey, this could open the door for Notre Dame. You know, is how long can Notre Dame stay independent? But we'll see. But this move for USC and UCLA, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm not surprised that it happened. At first, like, it caught me by shock, like, whoa. But this type of move was kind of inevitable. It was kind of inevitable. If we're being honest, looking at the grand scheme of the picture or the grand scheme of things, it's kind of inevitable, but a, a, a inevitable that a move like this was going to happen. Okay, so Kevin Durant, let's move, shift, shift gears a little bit. I want to get to the breaking news that everybody is just waiting for me to get to. Get to. I know so many people throughout um, the week Hit me up. They was like, when are you going to talk about this? When are you going to talk about this? And I got so many mixed opinions and views on what Kevin should do, what he shouldn't do. Why is he doing that? You'll be surprised. So many people, so many people have have a take on this. And I was glad that a part of me was glad, like a part of me was kind of like, I wish I could just talk about this in the moment. But a part of me is like, let me give it a couple days. Let me think on it for a couple days. Let me let me actually think about this for a couple days. And first, I'm going to give Kevin Durant some credit here. In life, it is always good to acknowledge that you made a mistake. <laughs> okay? I think in life, it is very, very beneficial when you make a mistake. I think it's very, very helpful and it's helpful to your own good that you acknowledge, okay, that decision right there was a mistake. Like you make a big time financial purchase in the moment. It felt good. In the moment, uh, it, it you know, it feel real good, so nice, you know, whatever you, whatever the big financial purchase you make. But then, you know, a couple, maybe, maybe even a couple days go by, but maybe a couple months go by, maybe even a year go by. And you're like, you look at what you bought and you're like, oh, I don't really know if I really needed that, right? <laughs> like, Maybe you splurge on yourself a little too much and you make a mistake. And you're like, you look back at it, you know, a couple months from now or a year from now, and you're like, oh, I don't know if that one, I don't know if that one was, uh, I don't know if that one was worth it. I wish I can get my money's worth. And it's just not, and it turns out like the item that you bought just doesn't have the same value and the same price that you bought it for. So it's like, ah, uh, you're kind of like stuck with it. Well, 
with Durant, I think this is this is him. This is definitely with him, with him requesting a trade. This is definitely Kevin Durant saying like this whole Brooklyn thing is a disaster. It's a shit show. And it's a mistake. It was a mistake. <laughs> you know? And then people like, why are you trying to leave Brooklyn? I, I I thought it was weird that he left Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. I was, I, I'm not mad at Kevin Durant for make you know, requesting this trade. I know how it looks. And I know a lot of people are going to bash his head in for this. I know a lot of people are just going to bash KD for doing this. And they have, I mean, the, like the bashing and the criticism and the critiques have already come, but it's like, do you blame him? Like Brooklyn, you have Ben Simmons, who we have not seen since, like, we haven't seen him play since June of 2021. Um, we, we, you have flaky Kyrie Irving, where. Kevin Kevin Durant has been loyal, holding him down, and Kyrie is just so sporadic. He has these behaviors, and and I like Kyrie, but like the availability, the behavior, just it's just so 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 unpredictable. Um, and it's just been a mess in Brooklyn. Like it hasn't been too many highlights. <laughs> like you looking at you looking at this Nets thing, it hasn't been too many highlights. And we all know, at least I know, at least I think, I think I know, and I think you guys know listening, what would be the best destination for Kevin Durant. And I know a lot of people probably are going to despise him if he makes that move or if that moves happen or if that move happens. But if we're thinking about collectively winning basketball, culture, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's wants and needs. If we're really thinking about it, the Golden State Warriors, they're the best fit. They're the best fit for Kevin Durant. I get it. They just won the championship. Yeah, they won without him. They won before him. They won with him. They won after him. You know, I, I think it, it, it's definitely going to be a tough pill for Kevin Durant to swallow, and I'm not even sure if he if he'll be able to swallow it. But in my estimate, in my opinion, I think Kevin Durant getting traded to the Warriors makes the best sense to him. Now, if you're the Warriors, what are you willing to give up? Because honestly, you're looking at Phoenix, you're looking at Miami, you're looking at the Warriors. The Warriors, in my opinion, I think they can offer the best set of assets. I think they have the best trade package. They can offer you Jordan Poole. They can offer you Andrew Wiggins. They can offer you James Wiseman along with picks. I, I I don't know if Phoenix can match that. I don't know if Miami can match that. Um, I don't. I just don't know if those other two teams can match that. Uh, we don't even know who the other suitors are. But that seems to be those three teams seem to have the most interest. And out of all those three teams, the Warriors have. The, in my, like I said, in my opinion, they have the best package to offer. And it makes sense. Obviously, there's been reports that the Warriors, that the core group of the Warriors, uh, Draymond, Steph, Clay, they are they have been fully aware um, and alerted that this move could happen. There's the possibility that it could happen. And they're they're very they're open to a reunion 
Um, but I also think they're all I think they're also like we can easily run it back <laughs> with the same group of guys that we have. It there that's not a problem. So and it's so crazy because I think now the Warriors, Kevin Durant, at this point, now, right now, Kevin Durant needs the Warriors more than the Warriors need Kevin Durant. If that makes sense. Back then, back in 20, the summer of 2016, I thought both parties equally needed each other. I thought the, I thought Durant needed the Warriors. I thought the Warriors really needed Durant. I thought the Warriors needed an upgrade at their wing spot. The Warriors need, you know, the Warriors started to get figured out and they needed a guy that they can just give the ball to and that can get a bucket. And back in 2016, I I, I thought they were I thought both parties equally needed each other. At this point, I think the Warriors, the Kevin Durant, and he, I think Kevin Durant knows it. And it's okay, but I think he knows it. The Warriors, or Kevin Durant, needs the Warriors more than the Warriors need him. At this moment. 2016, different, you know, totally different circumstance, totally different situation. At this juncture, at this, in this moment, the Warriors do not need Kevin Durant as much as Kevin Durant needs them. So if you're the Warriors, are you really going to trade the whole, like, are you going to give up the whole farm and the kitchen sink for a 34-year-old Kevin Durant that has been banged up and nicked up over the past several years? You're going to give up the whole farm for Kevin Durant? At 34 years of age, maybe, maybe you do. But like I said, the Warriors aren't desperate. They're not necessarily desperate. They're still in a good position if they don't make the trade. Kevin Durant is, at this point, and it's sad to say, but he's an enhancer. He's not He's not going to be the guy that the Warriors built around. They already have that guy. Durant, would he be the best player? Yeah. Would he be the guy that they can just throw the ball to and he can get a bucket? Yeah. He'd be that guy just like he was that guy for those three years. But at this point, the Warriors are a little bit different now. They've won a championship. I Like I said, I think this fourth championship that they won was a bit sweeter because a lot of people had questions and doubts. And I think for Steph Curry, it was a bit sweeter winning this one than the other two with Kevin Durant. That's just my opinion. And they have openly admitted that, the Warriors. Also, another aspect. When you think about player mobility in the NBA, and you think about players going to new destinations, players being, excuse me, Players being empowered and play, you know, the whole player empowerment and players being mobile and leaving and going to new destinations and teams. If we really peel back the layers of the last of the last several years where players have, you know, exercised their player empowerment and has exercised their player mobility. If we really, really peel back the layers of the of the last like 
eight marquee, you know, players that have changed destinations. And I'll get that list for you. Has it really worked? Over the past six, seven years, you look at what players have, what star players have been mobile. Has it really worked? <laughs> like, let's be honest, okay? Jimmy Butler, um, you know, Minnesota to Philadelphia to Miami, okay. You know, it, it kind of works. You know, he fits Miami's culture. He's found his niche in, in Miami. Anthony Davis, Pelicans, the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers did have one championship. They got the one championship, but at this point, uh, it's the Lakers. Kind of, it's kind of a mess in the shit show too. Warriors, Kevin Durant, Warriors to the Nets. It's not working. Paul George, Pacers to the Thunder to the Clippers. It 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 seems like a good fit, right? It seems like a good fit, and it seems like it could be it could be good, but. It's uh, it could be better, right? James Harden, Houston to Brooklyn, and then Brooklyn to Philly. Mm, it didn't really work out. Kyrie Irving, Cleveland to Boston, Boston to Brooklyn. Then that didn't work either. LeBron James, Cleveland to the Lakers. Uh, like I said, bubble championship, right? The, you have the one championship, but first year LeBron missed the playoffs. Then the second year. He he wins the championship, but then the third year, he first round exit, and then this past year, oh yeah, they missed the playoffs again. So uh, I don't know. Kawhi Leonard to you 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 have Toronto, you have San Antonio to Toronto, and then Toronto to the Clippers. The Toronto thing worked, but he was we knew he was a one year rental. Then the Clippers thing with Kawhi Leonard, uh, he's been hurt. He kind of disappeared sometimes in the postseason uh it could be better chris paul uh houston uh you know clippers to the rockets rockets to the thunder thunder to the suns has it worked it, it works you know got a couple 61 seasons but nothing to really account for and then russell westbrook okc to houston houston to washington to the la lakers mm, hasn't worked so I just thought I would point that out for you guys. Player mobility, as good as it sounds, and I'm 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 all for players exercising um their 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 contracts and being free agents. I'm all for that. And I'm not saying players can't leave. I'm not saying players shouldn't join teams. Like they, they I'm for I'm for player mobility, but the success rate of it over the past several years just has not been great <laughs> it has not been great like with paul george and Kawhi leonard it feel the clipper thing feel like it should be a little bit better than what it has been i like i said i know there's been injuries but it's kind of you know injuries happen lebron ad has it worked yeah it, it worked but it doesn't seem like I don't know if it's working anymore. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's working anymore in LA. The Lakers are in complete utter desperation mode. They're trying their very 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 hardest to get rid of the the Russell Westbrook contract. That's going to be hell. They 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 they're just trying every which way 
to get themselves out of this desperation mud, out of this desperation spot. And it kind of seems like they're stuck in mud. James Harden, I mean, you know, the Brooklyn thing, uh, it, it looked good, but it didn't didn't finish. You know, they they never they never they never got it clicking. It seemed like a lot of sizzle, no substance. And then the whole 76ers thing with James Harden's like, uh, first playoff run, uh, miserable. 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 Like I said, there's been some the success the there's been some success stories like the second year with you know AD's first year as a Laker he did win the title Kawhi for you know only first and only year in Toronto he did win the title he won the title but uh, the Clipper thing is like uh it should be better if like looking at that look you know reading that list of you know players that have been mobile and have you know gone to different teams. It seems like it's a bunch of okay, yeah, they won titles, but they either left or they after the title they just deflated and fused out. And then it seems like it's a bunch of like it could be better. It could be better. And then there's just some dumpster fires. <laughs> you know, the West Westbrook stuff, dumpster fire. Brooklyn, Kyrie Katie, dump dumpster fire. Uh Clippers, AD, it could be better. Phoenix, given the expectations coming into it, 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 it's been okay, but no championships has resulted into that. So the whole player empowerment, I'm like I said, I'm not over it. I'm for it. I'm for players utilizing that. But you got to sometimes question, like, what is winning in the NBA? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Milwaukee Bucks. They drafted their guys. The Golden State Warriors, oh, yeah, that's right. Those are in-house guys. Those are guys that they have drafted in-house and kept in-house. Right. So you just look at what's winning around the league. You're like, oh, Brooklyn oh, didn't work. You know, it didn't work. The, the Laker thing, not, not quite panning out to what we thought it could amount into, right? Now, LeBron, look at LeBron's years as a Laker. Like I said, I could do it again. Missed playoffs the first year, and I know there's some circumstances behind that, like LeBron's injury, but they missed the playoffs. Uh, the second year, he did win the championship. But then the next two years, it was a first-round exit um, in six games, and then there was, um, yeah, they missed the playoffs last year. So, I don't know. You tell you guys tell me, tell me what you think <laughs> about player mobility and the success rate of it. In, in terms of Kevin Durant and the perfect destination, like I said, the, the perfect and the most ideal def, the destination is the Warriors. And it's the team that can offer the best package, which is the Warriors. But is Kevin Durant, like, does he really want to go back there? Like, he's going to take a lot of heat for going there. Can he handle that? I, I, don't, I don't know because I, I know some people that will be – there's a lot of people I'm sure will probably be furious that Kevin Durant goes back to the Warriors. But winning solves everything. That's that's always been my, my thing with sports. Winning solves everything. Just like with a lot of people, money solves a lot of problems. When people get money, 
it solves a lot of problems. <laughs> it solves a lot of problems. I bet, I bet almost 90% of you guys, if you guys had a raise, if you guys had the, uh, if you guys had the ability or the actual option, if the option came to you where, okay, your commute to work is an hour long, but you, it's an hour long, but you get paid three times more, I bet almost more than 90% of you guys will take that because money solves a lot of issues for some people. For a lot of people, honestly, money, a lot of money. That's a lot of that. That that saves that 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 creates and that solves a lot of problems for people. And just like winning, winning, it solves a lot of problems. When you win a lot, it solves a lot of problems. So despite that 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 hate and despite the criticism that Kevin Durant may receive. I really do honestly think that the Warriors the best spot for him because all he has to do is play basketball. And that's all, frankly, Kevin Durant wants to do. He just want to play basketball. And with Golden State, he's allowed to do that. With Phoenix, I'm not sure if he's allowed to do that. And with Phoenix, it's not a done deal that they're that they would be favorites if they get Kevin Durant, you know? Um I just think Golden State's the best spot for him. I really do. I think Golden State is the best spot for him, but I'm not sure if he top. I'm not sure if he opt for that option because he gets so much backlash and so much heat for reuniting with the Warriors. I just think that way. But it's the it's definitely the most ideal and the best situation for him. And the, the Warriors they have the assets to give the Nets the best package. Simple as that. So, granted, <clears throat> just looking at what player mobility has become, um, and looking at the so so far, because it's it's a sample, it's only a sample size, but I think we have enough, you know, examples, time and time again, where it hasn't quite uh, like we we just have. There's been some shortcuts, and it hasn't quite been as fruitful right so the thing with Durant and the Warriors it's not necessarily a new destination he's used to this and this is why I think this is the best option for him now like, like I said there's so many variables like if Durant wants to go there if he wants to go down that road again uh, do the Warriors even you know move all of their pieces and assets for like that's the, that's that's a that's a whole nother conversation, and we can and like as I've been already doing, we can kind of evaluate that and take it how you want it. But this is the best move, and this would be the best destination for Kevin Durant. We all know it. We all know it, and most of us are not gonna like it. Most of us are not gonna like it. Most of us are gonna hate it. But it's his decision. It's his choice. It's a new obstacle. So, um. I think um I think I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up here. I'm a I'm gonna give you guys a little Friday treat. Consider this a little Friday special. Uh, I will be back with another episode. I know there's some other breaking news around the league, um, and also the NFL and so forth. So 
I will circle back around to that on the next episode, but I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Um, not, I didn't want to make it too long. It's not quite an hour, but uh, like I said, hope you guys enjoyed it. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace. Gone. Deuces. I'll be back. <laughs>